Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Thanks to our last guest last hour, Mark Schofield. We've got uh, another busy hour on the way. And a quick uh, reminder that uh, following us here at 1 o'clock, we will have Niagara University basketball. They're tipping off against Marist. It'll be here at 1 p.m. Pat Malcaro takes over the airwaves at 1. So just wanted to get that quick update before we went back to our Wester hotline, where the editor of GiantsCountry.com and SI.com's channel, and, of course, the host of Locked On Giants podcast, Patricia Traina, joining us here on the Wester hotline to talk some Giants. Patricia, thanks so much for joining us and making some time. Uh, we really appreciate it. No problem. How's everybody doing? Hey, you know, uh, weather in western New York, it's cold. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting close to that, uh, what we like to call the, the, the false hope season, where this weekend we'll get like a couple of days of 50, 60 degrees, and then next week we'll get that lake effect snow again. So it, we're, we're, we're in that time where we're almost out of the thick of it, but not quite. Uh, you'll get there. Hang in there. Yeah, well, listen, we, we, we will because we have to, but uh, we're not going to enjoy it while we do it. So, But it's okay. You know, we, <laughs> we've got a lot of good offseason, um, you know, NFL stuff happening right now. The combine con- uh, underway right now. We've got pro days over the next couple of weeks and months ahead. Uh, Patricia, but, like, I, I think the interesting part of this offseason is the dynamic between the Bills and the Giants with Joe Shane becoming the general manager of the Giants and obviously Brian Dable leaving here, Buffalo, as their offensive coordinator after really uh, – an incredible run with Josh Allen and obviously some of the other coaches that positional coaches that have left as well Uh, overall. And before we kind of get into that dynamic and and talking about some of the plans for each of these teams, uh, what has been sort of the reception of Joe Shane um, in New York from giants fans considering, um, you know, I I think when you look across the the landscape of this off season on, on the movement at general manager and head coach across the league, there has been a general consensus that I think a lot of people really across the league anyways, and in league circles, really liked the move for the Giants to move away from Gettleman and into Joe Shane, who I, who I, th- I do think holds a lot of respect across the league. Yeah, I mean, the big thing with adding Joe Shane to the front office is the Giants finally went outside of their building. Now, you know, Dave Gettleman, I know he, he was the GM of the, the Panthers for a little bit, but he basically came up and spent a good chunk of his career through the Giants organization, so he learned the Giants' way. Well, the Giants' way 
as we have seen over the last decade or so, has not worked. It no longer works. So the Giants finally went outside the building. They said, look, we've got to get new perspectives. We've got to get with the, the, you know, the current times. Joe Shane is a young um, executive. He's a, he's a very talented executive with a good track record. They bring this guy in, and already he's modernizing the draft board. He's, he's going to you know, shake up how they do the, the scouting process. And there are still more changes to come. So I think right now there's an overall sense of optimism like has never been felt before. And I know I've said that in the past when there's been changes, but that was, you know, one going from one voice to another. This is a whole new voice and a whole new ballgame for the Giants. Yeah, and I, and I imagine, too, that, listen, I, I, I'll I spare anyone the, you know, kicking uh, Dave Gettleman while he's down thing. I, I, I think that for the most part, a lot of the moves that he made over the course of his career as the general manager of the Giants was always sort of received with some level of pushback and 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 always sort of viewed as like he's the guy of the old guard and you see all these guys these these teams across the league and these general managers across the league embracing you know analytics and using and more analytics to help with their roster building and help with their scheme building and it always felt like Gettleman was sort of stuck in you know like the 1970s in this so I I think maybe even the shift towards a more modern day um, roster construction and ideology with Joe Shane probably is a welcome sign as well because I want to say not being connected with the Giants fans in any way that it probably looked like from within that that they were behind the eight ball from from just the way that the rest of the league had been going yeah i mean at the end of the day it comes down to watching film and being able to to find you know gems on film that's that's the crux of what any gm any scouting department will do that being said there are other um, resources that you can consult that can reinforce or maybe dissuade you from making a, a, a position. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you know broadcasting. So if I said to you, write a paper on broadcasting, you could probably do it. But if I said to you, well, use some resources, maybe consult other resources on broadcasting, you know, that's going to make your presentation all the, str- all the more strong. So that's kind of where the Giants were at. You know, they, they had... They had film, but they just, I think some of the things they saw in film maybe just didn't match up what the coaches wanted to do, and they just didn't have that extra resource backing, if you will, to, to reinforce uh, what they were seeing. Did you get the sense that it was really hard for, you know, the ownership and, and, and the Maras to move away from Joe Judge from the outside? It It felt like the move to cut away from Dave Gettleman was very obvious. I felt like the move away from Joe Judge was equally as obvious, but it felt like there was a little bit of resistance there. Like, we want to keep Joe Judge, and it maybe has nothing to do with Joe Judge, but more about the reputation of continually, you know, cycling through coaches every two years. Um, But I I think it was very obvious that whoever, if they were going to go and get a good general manager, a guy that was respected across the league, that they would not have been able to force Joe Judge down that person's throat. No, I, I don't think he can either. And there was also some talk, and I think there had been a report that Judge had wanted the Giants to promote Kevin Abrams, who really isn't, a, you know, Kevin Abrams is a good uh, cathologist, but I don't, I, I question how strong his player evaluation skills are. But uh, no, that relationship I don't think would have worked. I mean, how often do you see that in the NFL where you, where you have um, a head coach in place and then a new GM comes in? I mean, what, sometimes it'll work. I get it. But for the most part, look, the Giants were an organization that just, they were a mess. They, let, let's call it for what it is. They were a mess. And 
you know, Joe Judge might very well be a good head coach one day, but there were things, you know, mistakes he made that hopefully he'll go back under Belichick and he'll learn how to correct them for his next head coaching job. And they just, they really needed to press the reset button. And it was something that I was banging the drum for, you know, right from the get-go. I said, look, if the Giants don't start from scratch with the GM and the head coach and put them on the same timeline and put them, you know, in the same room, so to speak. I said, I said, then they're never going to learn. So I'm glad that they did. And, you know, I'm sorry, Joe judge lost his, his job because I do like Joe, but uh, it had to be done. Patricia Trena here on our West, her hotline. She's the editor of GiantsCountry.com, which is an, a Sports Illustrated channel, and she's also the host of Locked On Giants. And, and Patricia, I want to talk to you a little bit more about some of the guys on the roster as it stands right now that Joe Shane has been uh, talked about anyways and across league circles as potentially trying to move away from or move on from. And, and I think most notably the two that, that pop up are cornerback James Bradbury and running back Saquon Barkley. And we'll start with the latter and Barkley. Your thoughts on a true desire for Shane to move on from Barkley, um, considering the $7 million cap hit and his, and his general inability to stay healthy and available for his team, how that potentially hurts his, his, his trade stock. But is this a player that you believe the Giants should be looking to get rid of, um, considering that they're trying to get a true evaluation of Daniel Jones? And do you want to do that with or without Barkley? Well, here's the thing. I, I look at it, Barkley, I, I don't think it's going to be in the plans long term. Um, you cannot pay a running back mega money. I mean, we, it didn't work with, with Todd Gurley. It's really not working out with Christian McCaffrey down in, in Carolina. I don't see it working out with, with Saquon. So I have always been in, in the camp of trade him now while you can get something for him. That being said, you mentioned Daniel Jones, and that's the X factor here. They need to know once and for all what they have in this kid. They have not been able to, you know, make that, that determination because of the coaching changes and the injuries and you name it, the offensive line, all that, that has factored in. So that being said, the fact that the coaches, uh, Brian Dable, made it known that they, were, that they had plays in the playbook that they were developing for Saquon tells me that the Giants probably aren't prioritizing moving Saquon Barkley. And I, I think I've seen another report that they wanted a number one draft pick. I don't know if that's true. I find that hard to believe given the injuries, like you said. But um, that, all, all that would seem to indicate that they're not really serious about moving on with him. And $7.2 million, you know, what people need to remember, that's less than what Barkley counted for against the cap last year. Mm. Barkley was something like 10 points. I want to say 10.4 or something like that. 7.2 Yes, it's a big chunk of change, and yes, you can you know you can maybe have that and and put you know half towards an offensive lineman or something like that. But it's I don't think it's it's going to make or break the Giants' cap at the end of the day. Patricia, I I find myself as much as I probably agree with the Barkley move. I I, I guess I find myself maybe a little further away on the you know, it making sense for the Giants to be looking to move on from James Bradbury. Obviously, just a year remaining on that contract. There is a large cap hit, over $20 million this year against the cap. And frankly, part of the reason I think he makes sense to move if you're the Giants is that he probably is movable considering that the acquiring team is not going to be taking on that giant cap hit. So because he is a movable contract, I think that just from a, um, you know, from a, from a money and salary cap perspective, it, it can be 
moved. The question is, is what you're going to get returned for Bradbury worth moving him? Considering that I, I still think that he's... I mean, he's not the best corner in the league or anything. He's not. I, don't, I, I might not even. I'm probably not putting him in the top five or top seven. But I think this is a quarter, a cornerback with upside this year in a defense that last year I think probably underperformed. If you're a Giants fan, considering the resources they put into it, is that really kind of the core principle? If you're Joe, if you're Joe Shane coming into this thing, is we've got to cut some fat on this roster on the salary cap to become more competitive, and maybe you turn around and you you you, you take that cap savings you got from James Bradbury and reapply it to the offensive line or something along those lines. But, like, what, what, what is sort of the mindset in, in wanting to move off of that James Bradbury contract? Well, James Bradbury has the second-highest cap number on the Giants. He, I think it's over $20 million. You cannot, cannot in any way, shape, or form carry that cap hit, whether you redo him, whether you cut him, whether you trade him. They cannot carry that cap hit. Now, James Bradbury, remember, he's one year removed from a Pro Bowl season, and you're right. This is a guy who last year maybe underperformed, you know, due to a variety of reasons. And we can, we can sit here all day and list the, the numerous reasons. But you have to look ahead at this point, all right? So you have to say, is James Bradbury's skill set a true fit for what Don Martindale, the new defensive coordinator, wants to do? And I'm not sure that you can make that argument. James Bradbury is still a very good cornerback. He will find work next year, whether it be with the Giants or with another team. But um, if you're the Giants and you can move him and get, you know, at least one day two pick and maybe a conditional day three pick or something like that, you absolutely have to do it. You, it it's going to be worth it for the cap savings. And this is a deep enough cornerback class, I think, to where maybe you can replace that production with, um, you know, with somebody who's a little better fit for what Don Martindale wants to do. Patricia, like kind of looking forward for this season and into the draft because we're we're at that time of year right now. Where can the Giants maybe do the most this offseason, whether it's free agency or through the draft? It, like, is this is this offseason maybe the most about? How about this? Let me rewind this for a second. What would you be? What would you say is the most important thing for the Giants this offseason? Is it? you know, becoming a little bit slimmer on the salary cap to give themselves some options next offseason to really build something around the rest of the team? Or or would you say maybe objection or, or object number one for this season is simply to surround Daniel Jones with enough talent to fairly evaluate him? Is that like kind of what, every, what the consensus goal for this season is? Offensive line starts and ends there because, look, you can put all the talent you want. You can have all the Kenny Gallagher's. You can have Jim Brown in the backfield. <laughs> you can have Barry Sanders in the backfield, Thurman Thomas, you know, whoever you want back there. But if you don't have a solid offensive line, it doesn't mean anything. And that has to be the Giants' top goal, plain and simple. I mean, last year, you look at what the Giants did, and I – even though I understood what Dave Gettleman was getting at and I, I saw some of the logic in there, I didn't agree with it because what he was saying was, okay, look, you got to let the young kids play. Well, absolutely. At some point you do have to let the young kids play because everybody starts off as a rookie and a first-year player and a second-year player and so forth. That said, you also have to keep replenishing that unit. And that's one of the, re the, the many places where Dave Gettleman fell short and the job he did, like if you look at the backups, the guys that they were looking to be backups last year, before all the injuries, before the retirements and all that stuff, 
Most of those guys were on the back end of their careers. Most of them were on, like, one-year contracts. Where exactly was the depth that they were going to develop mm. to replace guys once they moved on in free agency or if they got injured? There was none. So what happened? They had to trade for guys. They had to give up assets. And it was just a, you know, a poor job of planning overall by Dave Gettleman to, with, with regards to that offensive line. And quite frankly, a surprise considering how much he put an emphasis when he first was hired about fixing that. Patricia, a couple more things here for you. And I, I think maybe narrowing this down and, and, and chatting a little bit more about what your overall thoughts are, your, your, your sort of expectations are for Daniel Jones going into this season. I think – I think if you're Giants fans, you got to feel pretty good about what Brian Dable was able to do for a really, I, I, I think raw at times maybe gets is a term in the NFL that gets overused, particularly about quarterbacks. Um, but I, I, I think using the term for Josh Allen, his rookie season, and, and when the Bills drafted him is 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 fair. I, I might even want to maybe push and say I'd, I'd want to go for something a little bit more extreme than just using the word raw um, because of how unpolished Josh was coming into the league and to see where he is now almost exclusively under the toolage of Brian Dable. I think that's got to bring a lot of confidence to Giants fans that if, 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 Dan, if there is a franchise quarterback under the surface there for Daniel Jones, that the guy that's going to get that out is Brian Dable. I just wonder if cornering yourself to try to find out in 18 games this upcoming season is a fair enough evaluation for a guy who has gotten plenty of opportunities to play, but let's be honest. I don't think that his I don't think the offensive coordinators that he's had over the last couple of years um you know no no offense to and now I'm I'm uh, Jason Garrett right I mean no offense to Jason Garrett but I don't envision him being calling plays in the NFL level ever again um so I guess from my perspective Yes, he's had plenty of time to show it, but I don't think it's been quite as fair or, or optimal for him to actually show it. And, and, and do we believe that one year under Brian Dable is going to provide the clarity to Giants fans that they all think they're going to get? Well, here's what you got to remember about Daniel Jones. And this is where, you know, I am a little alarmed with, with his progress, besides the injury factor, which is a whole different ball of wax. Last year was Daniel Jones's second year in the same offensive system. I think the first time, if I'm not mistaken, since David Duke when he was in the same system. Can we say, and, and remember, he allegedly had better talent around him. The offensive line, we know, wasn't very good. And, yes, injuries kind of ripped through things. But can we honestly say, in watching Daniel Jones's game last year, that he looked more decisive, that he made faster decisions, that he processed things quicker. I don't think we can say that. And for me, that's one of the things I was looking for. Because, look, if you're in the same system, by year two, things should be slowing down for you to where you're not sitting there having to think through 50 million things about, you know, in the, in the split second or two that you have to make a, a decision back there. I did not see enough of that. You know, I also didn't see enough of, you know, smart plays being made. I did not see uh, smart, you know, smartness on Daniel Jones' uh, part when he took off as a runner, you know, diving head first, lowering mm. his shoulder. I mean, come on, dude, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> and I, and how many, week after week, I used to say it. I used to say he's going to get hurt. He's going to get, he's not going to finish the season. And I, I wish I had been wrong, but I wasn't. I mean, it was, a, it was a given. So there were enough things for me that, I would say, you know, we're red flags. Now, is 18 games going to be enough? 
it should be if he can play all 18. Uh, I'm sorry, 17 games, not 18 games. It's 18 weeks, 17 games. So it should be enough for them to make a decision. You want to see growth. Now, with a quarterback, the growth is never linear. It's not, it's not going right, to be, you know, right. like up his plane. But you want to see more um, that, uh, peaks than valleys, if you will. And you don't want to see one week he's up here, you know, at the top of the heap, and then he's, you know, the next week he's down at the bottom, and then he stays at the bottom, and then he goes up. You know, you don't want to see that. You want to see him perform equally as well against the good teams and the bad teams. Patricia, thanks so much for joining us here. Uh, give us uh, give us an understanding of where we can find your work, especially I I think having Giants folks in their Twitter feeds. For if you're a Bills fan, over the next couple of weeks probably makes sense because I have to I just have to imagine that best friends Brandon Bean and Joe Shane are going to be have some sort of move, whether it's a Bradbury or Barkley or if it's a smaller one. I I'm almost going to guarantee that there's going to be some level of action between the Giants and Bills, if not this year, next year. So where can the folks follow you on Twitter, and uh, where else can they find your work? and any other uh, stories, podcasts, anything you've got coming up here in the next week or so? Right. So I'm on Twitter at Patricia underscore Traina, T-R-A-I-N-A. You can find my written work at GiantsCountry.com, which is, as you mentioned at the top of the show, is part of the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. And my podcast is the Locked on Giants podcast. You can find that wherever you find podcasts, or if you prefer to see my shiny little face every day, you can see that see my channel on YouTube. I do put the show on YouTube. And next week, I've got a super week coming up. I've got a bunch of guests that I'm booking, including a giant player from the, from the defense. So I've got a lot of nice. stuff coming up, especially next week. Awesome. Well, Patricia, thanks so much for being so generous with your time on a Saturday. Uh, let's do it again soon. I really appreciate it, and, uh, and enjoy your weekend. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Patricia Trainer there of Locked on Giants. And, um, yeah, we, we appreciate her coming along. I, 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 do, I do tend to believe there's – if it's not this year, it's not next year, Joe Shane and Brandon Beaner do a little business together. I can almost guarantee that. All right, time out. Other side, I got Matt Perino joining us. We're going to talk Cole Beasley. That's coming up next year on WGR. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Zach tells me that apparently this segment I actually have to get out on time, so um, I guess we'll go right to the Western Hotline for our uh, our next and final guest of the afternoon. Uh, Matt Perino of New York Upstate and Syracuse.com was joining me here to chat about uh, the Combine, Cole Beasley. Where do, you know what? I'll do something I don't normally do, Matt. What do you want to start with? There's, there's plenty to talk about. What do you want to start with? Let's we'll start with Cole Beasley because I feel like that's probably you know a hot-button option, uh, a topic right now. Yeah, I like how you did that. You said, you know, where do you want to start? And then you told me where we're going to start. That's, that's, that's fake eerie stuff right there. That's, Seriously. That's exactly what I'm used to. Listen, here's the thing. I'm driving back on the 70 right now. I'm back almost to the 90, getting back from Indy. Just grab some Raising Cane. Oh, uh, what? The go-to spot Why would you do that so, to me, dude? So, listen, I was just in Pittsburgh the other day, uh, last weekend. We went up for a concert that ended up actually getting canceled. Um, so we just kind of hung out in the city, got some dinner. But I, I asked my girlfriend, I was like, listen, we're going to have to take an alternate route back home. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, we need to drive through Ohio so that I can go get Raising Cane's on the way home. Uh, because we were down south a couple weeks ago in, in Miami, and we, for the first time, had Church's Chicken. Um, so I am on a mission, Matt, to get in all of the respected fried chicken joints in the country, and Raising Cane's is on the list. Can you, in a couple of words, how, like, what, what have, you, have you had Raising Cane's before this Yes. Oh, you it, have, it, okay. It, whenever I can have it, I stop and get it to the point where I got it one time driving home. I can't believe, I can't remember it might have been Indianapolis. I was driving home from somewhere, maybe a, maybe a game, and I got it for me and Marcel. He actually, he loves it so much that I was driving back. I told him I was getting him. He's like, I was like two, three hours away. He's like, yeah, grab that for me, bring me home, and I'll eat that takeout. I'll warm it up. That's what he always says. It's, it's perfect, man. The chicken fingers are always cooked. To perfection, the sauce is delicious. They give you a big piece of Texas toast, crinkle-cut fries. I mean, it's it's money. Yeah, it sounds money. Anyways, before I get more hungry, um, so Beasley, let's let's talk Beasley. I I I guess I'll I'll start by asking if you're surprised that he appears to be the one. Now, listen, we don't know if. You know, the motivation behind them approaching the Bills and, and Brandon Bean about seeking a trade stems from the Bills approaching him, asking him to take a pay cut. I, I almost want to say I would assume that's the reason why, but it's hard to understand or know the motive behind why Beasley is making this move. But are you surprised at all? No. And I thought that, you know, I thought that they'd probably do something to try to bring him back on a different deal if they did decide to keep him. But this, to me, always seemed like the, the, the outcome that made the most sense was this moving on entirely. And, you know, I was talking to Mike Gennetti from SpotTrack.com a couple weeks ago, and he suggested, a, you know, a trade, the Christian McCaffrey trade. But, you know, just mentioning that it was a tradable contract really gets you thinking about some of the things that the Bills can do. And I, 
you know, I, my buddy Ryan Talbot over at the site, he put out, like, you know, some trade destinations for him today. And I think that there's some interesting kind of um, trades that Brandon Bean can think about. You know, maybe filling a need at a spot where maybe free agency isn't the way to go. Maybe, like, getting Cole Beasley to the Giants because, you know, Brian Dable wants a, a reliable slot. I know that they have some guys there, but, you know, maybe that's somebody they want to bring in and, you know, somebody that knows Brian Dable's system. They have a really good relationship. And, oh, by the way, maybe throw in a James Bradbury. And I know that that's the money there is going to be something you got to figure out and you got to try to see if that can, you know, work out. There's a lot of money in that first year. But I still think there's more moves to come. So, no, I'm not surprised. And I thought that this was always kind of where we were headed. And if they could trade them, I think that that's kind of best-case scenario. But in the end, I think what this will do is kind of figure out what is, you know, what's his market value, how many teams are interested. And maybe that will bring, you know, maybe bring back Cole to the table and maybe make him willing to take a pay cut if he realized that maybe there's not a lot of takers out there uh, if his people start talking to folks. Yeah, and I think this is such a delicate conversation because some people are going to want to say, like, well, Cole Beasley, you know, showed last year that he had lost a step, and, well, Cole Beasley was a distraction, and this and that. And I think he is a polarizing player for a lot of reasons, much of which is his own doing. Um, but I, I do think they're... To say that the team, you know, was punishing him or this is a result of his stances in preseason and, in, and during training camp on the COVID-19 vaccine, I, I think that there's probably a little bit of smoke in a bunch of different garbage cans here. And where the fire is coming from is is probably up for speculation. But I don't think it's really speculative to say that at the end of last year, even when Cole Beasley, I, I, at least... He wasn't on the injury report. It did feel like this was a guy that they were playing last year or two years ago, Matt, 80, 90% sometimes, and he played every snap in some of these games. And then he went from that to being a guy that was on the field 60, 50, 40% of the plays in games that mattered, and frankly, when he wasn't on the injury report. So, like, I guess what I'm what I'm kind of far and, and kind of getting around to asking here is, do you believe there was a level of – the two sides and, and, and the organization and Beasley growing tired of each other a little bit? You know, it's funny you say that because one, the first thing that Cole Beasley did when he got back to Texas was he said he's finally back in America. Mm. posted that on his Instagram account. It was a story. And I'm like, it's fitting, right? I mean, if you go back and listen to some of the words and some of his songs that he put out when he was kind of frustrated, like, I get it. Like, it. You know, if you have a disagreement over what you think should be the way that it is and you want to voice your opinion, to be honest with you, as much as I disagree with them, I respected them. Yeah, I, I, I would actually – and I agree with you, Matt, by the way. I And especially when you had a lot of players and, and public figures um, in the middle of the season kind of coming out. And the one thing I always sort of went back to is, like, I'd never agreed with Cole Beasley's take, but I respect that he was sort of like the first guy that had the take and – he was committed to it, and it wasn't something he, – he didn't do it for the cameras. I, maybe he did a little bit, but it's easier to say that someone did it for the cameras when they jumped on it in October and not the guy that had been doing it since July. Yeah, and I, like, if you don't want to be, like, in New York, like, that's something that I've heard rumblings of, that certain people just, like, got to the point where living in New York State is something that they don't want to do for part of the year because of, obviously, you know, uh, the – 
you know, different restrictions that I guess you face. I mean, we, we were, you know, kids were having to wear masks and having to wear masks inside businesses and all that kind of stuff. Whatever. Like, I guess you get to the point where you don't want to be a part of that. And that's something that, as a free person in this country, you can do. And if he doesn't want to be here, if I'm Brandon Bean, I'm sitting there like, that's, that's fine with us. Because to your point, you know, we got to a point where, you know, we had somebody on the roster that we thought, you know, whether it was game plan specific, could could produce what you brought and then and be a little bit better in certain instances. And I still don't think we can really project what is what an Isaiah McKenzie in this offense full-time looks like. Now, the interesting part of McKenzie is his, his relationship with Dable and how good Dable yeah. was at utilizing his talents, not only for what he did when he spelled Beasley in those two games, the Miami game in, in 20 and then last year against the Patriots, uses a weapon to kind of figure out what the defense is doing. And so you, you, you think about maybe Brian Dable wanting to get him in New York. And I know they have Kadir's Tony and some other pieces there as well. So how this kind of thing figures out is going to be fun to watch. But, yeah, I think that in the long run, he's always banged up. He's small anyway. And as you get older and into your 30s, it becomes harder to come back from injuries. And I think you saw a lot of that. And I think that that had as much to do with mm. his his – uh, playing time dip this year as anything else. So, yeah, I think it could be, you know, it might just be better to move on and, and maybe, and this is a, we can transition to the receivers in this class. There are yeah. some really fun options if you're going to go with that flavor in the draft. You know, and I, and I wonder, I, I it's again, it's hard to assess where Brandon Bean's mind was on this, on this Cole Beasley situation or really the Cole Beasley. I think you can sort of lump the Cole Beasley situation in with the Isaiah McKenzie situation because I think there is equal amounts of questions about, you know, what went into, you know, the earlier decisions in the season and, and what was going on behind closed doors and behind the scenes when Cole Beasley was sort of pushing the limits of, you know, like the media policy, right? And some of the things he was saying on Instagram and on Twitter and going in front of cameras and saying, and that that I think really moved away from how the Bills traditionally wanted their players to act and interact with the media. But with Isaiah McKenzie, it was a very different situation entirely, right? Like, there he got benched, and it's, it, it appeared anyways that there had been some relationship strain between he and McDermott. And then he has that game against the Patriots, and it's almost like that, that, that benching was forgotten. Does Do you believe that the wanting Isaiah McKenzie back was mutually exclusive to whatever happened with Cole Beasley? Or do you believe that maybe Cole Beasley approaching the Bills sort of caught them off guard, and now they're thinking, well, we had planned on having Cole Beasley around, whether it was at this cap hit or a reduced one, but now that we believe that's no longer going to be an option, that their attention turns to trying to retain McKenzie now more than maybe they were before, just so that there's a level of continuity in the slot. I would imagine if you're Sean McDermott, that you want some level of continuity in the slot knowing how much Josh Allen targets it. If I'm Brandon Bean and knowing how he hit on Beasley to begin with and what he meant to the team, I, if I'm a Bills fan or anybody in that organization, I have faith in him to find the next one, You know, whatever that looks like, whether it be retaining Isaiah McKenzie. I don't think that they were caught off guard. I don't think Bean is really ever caught off guard when it comes to roster stuff. He thinks really down the road with a lot of things, the way that he structures contracts and, you know, getting out of certain deals and when he's going to do it and how he's going to adjust to it, all of it. So, no, I don't think that Beasley coming and asking for a trade, I don't I don't necessarily know for a fact that he was even in their plans to begin with. I think that they entered this 
this offseason knowing, listen, we got a we got a clear cap space. There's money there to be cleared, and I know like bringing him back and reworking the deal is is obviously an option, but that six million dollar you know bump to the cap right off the like right from the jump, that's a really nice chunk of change, and I felt like that was always going to be a way for them to open things up with just one move, and you don't have a lot of those levers this time around like you have in previous years. So yeah, I think wanting to get back McKenzie makes sense, but I think it's going to you know it's going to have to make sense for them from a dollar perspective. You know, we've talked a lot about Levi Wallace, right, over the last couple of weeks, months. $9.5 million cap evaluation or uh, uh, AAV from Track. He's not going to get that much. Even on the open market, I don't think he's going to get that much. And, you know, it comes down to, okay, how much more is he going to get than the Bills are willing to give him? I think that's the same thing can be said for Isaiah McKenzie. Okay, mm-hmm. if he's worth it around $5, 6000000 million a year, and, and he'll, he's willing to do a two- or three-year deal at $3.5 million, $4 million per with the Bills. Maybe they, they, they want that, and you could bring that cap hit down in year one, and you know what he can do, and you know that in a pinch he can even return kicks for you. I know that's not something they probably want him to do full-time moving forward, but you know he has that ability. Uh, Matt, I've got one quick last thing for you. Any of those receivers at the draft uh, that you saw this week, that you were interviewing this week, that you stand that stood out to you? Maybe it's not the testing. I think all of us talk about testing and scheme fit. Anybody there that you listened to, talked to, saw on, on the field that you were like, "Oh, this guy is this guy is McDermott being written all over him." That's interesting. Um, I don't know if anybody like hit and checked any of the specific McDermott bean boxes. But Maybe I should have asked, was there any wrestlers? Any, any wrestling, no, any wide receivers yeah, right, with a wrestling right. background? <laughs> right. I, I was looking through some of the offensive linemen, and I, I did see some wrestling uh, some wrestling hype there. But, no, I, I'm consider me all aboard the Jamison Williams hype train, okay. man, at 25. If he's there, it makes so much sense. I was so impressed just listening to him talk about his experience and what he potentially brings, you know, We've seen it now in 2022 that when guys suffer ACL injuries, especially really young guys like this, you know, they're able to bounce back and be pretty much the same guy that they were beforehand, and all the doctors are telling him that that's going to be the case. And he's that kind of unique game-breaking ability that the Bills covet and the Bills, you know, don't have on their roster right now. Gabriel Mm -hmm. Davis was an absolute stud in the playoff game. Stephon Diggs is one of the best five to seven receivers in the NFL. But they don't have that, like, guy that can just blow things up with the, with the rack yards. And I think that that's something with Jamison Williams that immediately gives you. And it, it just becomes even more scary because what he can be in a group with the talent that they already have accumulated, not to mention Dawson Knox. And yeah. I liked everything that he said. I thought that he was really um, thoughtful. And I, I'm excited to see, you know, who's there. I also like Olave from a perspective of just listening to him talk a little bit. Now, I was listening to Greg Cosell, who I really trust this time of year, to really break down the film, and he's a little bit more um, – he's not as red hot on Olave as some other draft enthusiasts. I even got the sense that he's not even thinking first round for him. Now, some of the clips that I watched of him, I really like the smoothness to his game, but his lack of physicality is something that's a concern with, with um, Cosell. So we'll see. There's a lot of fun guys. I think Garrett Wilson is fun, too. Um, I think that, you know, the sense I got from being in Indy for the week is that Drake London, there's a potential for him to be there. He mm. is not everybody's cup of tea. And I don't know how much of a fan I am of adding uh, a specific catch point type of receiver. 
I feel like we moved away from that in this in this regime. Like, I don't think that that's the flavor that Brandon Bean's looking for either. So, a lot of interesting options. But I think receiver, I think cornerback today. I'll have a lot of stuff on the, uh, on both of those position groups over the next week of the stuff that I gathered here in Indy. Awesome, bro. Appreciate you as always. Uh, d- safe travels on your way back. And, uh, you know, I-, I know I'll be chatting with you before the draft anyway. So uh, we'll-, we'll chat soon, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Sounds good. I'll have a tender for you, buddy. Oh, please, please do. Please do. <laughs> Matt Prino there on the West Her Hotline. Appreciate him as always. Going to take a time out, and then I'll uh, – I'll box things up from a man, Pat Melicaro, who will be taking over the program at 1 p.m. for some Niagara basketball. That's coming up next year on WGR. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Zach and I were, um, I don't know, just talking about fantasies over here. I said, you know, I, I'd really like to see the Bills sign Chandler Jones and, you know, bookend Greg Russo and Chandler Jones as your two edges going into this year. That would be uh, something special um, and something the Bills, I think, have been looking for for a long time. I think the Bills have spent a lot of resources in the Brandon Bean era on the edge position and and have not yielded a lot of big results. Um I can't imagine the Bills find themselves in a position where they're going to take another edge in the first round. I mean, even even if a good one falls, I'm just not sure the Bills can wait for an edge to have that kind of impact. I, I just it's hard to see rookie edges walk in unless you're Brian Burns or someone. You're like unless you're getting one of the top guys. I'm not sure you feel good about um, you know in this window right now waiting for another rookie to develop at the edge position when you've already got such young guys and the, the, the chats about, you know, Mario Addison, does he potentially come back? I I'll, I'll be interested to see what the moves are for this team at edge. And uh, over the next couple of weeks that, uh, that really should come into clarity. My man, Pat Melicaro is going to take over here. Niagara basketball set to get underway. They're tipping off against Marist just after the one o'clock hour. So don't go anywhere. Uh, Niagara university Marist that's coming up next year on WGR. And then that's it for the weekend. We've got our normal weekly programming starting Monday. Howard will be back from vacation. I will be back to sleeping in my normal schedule. So looking forward to that. Zach, appreciate you today, my friend. And uh, for any of those that, uh, that want to go back and listen, WGR 550.com on demand audio. We'll have all of our guests up there as well. Pat Melicaro coming up next year. Niagara basketball here on WGR.
How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.